0: Shelton, isn't it good to gather and worship the Lord together this morning? I think I sang my heart out. I feel like my voice is a bit horsey by just singing too much. But it's always good to gather in the name of the Lord and worship Him. I hope wherever you are, whether it be from Middle East, up in the balcony, down here, I pray that your lives will truly be marked by worship in all the days of our lives. Um, it's good to gather with you, as you might have noticed from our sermon slide already. Today, we are launching, beginning our new series called Wisdom in Life, a study in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we will walk through the book of Proverbs throughout the summer. Perhaps uh, you have already received our midweek email, so you know the brief overview of what this book is about But just to catch all of us up in the same page, first, let's say five to six weeks, we will lay down the foundational wisdom about what this book is all about from chapter one through chapter nine. And after that, in the second half, chapter 10 through 31, we will learn many practical topics that Proverbs has to offer us, whether it be the issues of anger, Whether it be issues of anxiety, whether it be issues of tongue and speech, we will cover those practical topics after in the second half of those portion. Children, why? Have you thought about why we need this wisdom book of Proverbs? It's inevitable that you and I are forced to make millions of choices in our lives. We are shaped by our choices that we make. Yeah, sometimes it's exhausting that you constantly have to think about it, pray about it, and make as wise decisions, as choices as you can. So there's this real psychological phenomenon called decision fatigue. It means that it's the idea that after making many decisions, your ability to make more and more decisions over the course of a day becomes worse. So I even read a research once that some leaders in our nations tend to even pick out the clothing that they are going to wear the following day, the day before, so that they make one less decision in the following day. Like for me, like when I have lunch or dinner appointment, I tell them, what do you want to eat, Jen? Oh, that's the hardest question that I have to think about and decide. So I just tell them, whatever you want, and then, so that I can make one less decision. Some of the decisions that you are making are somewhat trivial, and yet some of the decisions that you will have to make are pretty consequential, that changes the direction of the course of life. Same with me. In my private life and life here at church as well, I make a lot of decisions that are sometimes pretty trivial, non-consequential, to pretty important decisions that changes a lot of directions. Yet I constantly find myself lack of wisdom, and I would rather be just told what to do. Tell me black and white, then I will be okay. But life is not quite like that, isn't it? Life has complex reality that we constantly have to pray and meditate before the Lord as we make decisions in each day of our lives. And Book of Proverbs will speak a lot of that. So as you pray for wise living, I pray that this book will speak to you throughout the summer as we dive in today as an introduction sermon to all that is to come. So as we study the book of Proverbs, these sayings are per se, it's neither moral absolute commands nor promises. These are even often partial. You have to put one Proverbs with another proverb to get the fullest meaning of what this book is all about. Sometimes should you speak up or sometimes should be silent? Yes, it's both. Sometimes the proverbs, the wisdom we provide are accompanying one another. Sometimes those are completely opposite stance of one another. Sometimes even you know when you make decisions, you seek counsel from your closest friends, your wise friend, and sometimes these counselors are united, and sometimes they give completely opposite counsel. And you know their even opposite counsel and advice played a role in your thinking and decision making. So we need this wisdom. In some situation, you should take one for the team. And in some situation, you should rise and seek justice. Which one is true? Yes. It's both. Not only that, if I can throw another wrench in this complex reality that Proverbs brings to us, Proverbs book in itself is only partial too. Wouldn't you love to say, if you memorize it's one thing, your life will be whole and complete? By no means. All right, what I mean by even book of Proverbs itself in its entirety is partial, is this. Book of Proverbs, by and large, this is generalization. But you will notice if you read through the book of Proverbs, that it's base, operate, generally speaking, cause and effect principle. If you work hard, the Lord will bless you. If you are lazy, poverty will come upon you. It's somewhat of cause and effect, Proverbs tells us. Lazy, sluggardness will not benefit you. However, this is only cause and effect. So is the world operate just based on cause and effect? Oh, it's not. Think of another wisdom literature, book of Job. Innocent can suffer greatly. Look to Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless one, who gave it all, yet he had no sin, but entire injustice was laid upon him. Is the life just about cause and effect? or life innocent can suffer. Yes. Can I throw another wrench on top of that? I know, it's getting worse and worse. You're like, why did I come here for? When you read another wisdom literature, book of Ecclesiastes, it's like a random roulette. You got no idea what life will come out to be. It's like, there's what good is the wisdom even for? He says, just be merry. Life, you got no idea what's going to happen. Hevel, hevel. Vanity, vanity. Which one is right? So in a sense, Ecclesiastes is like Baptist potluck. You don't know which egg casserole you're going to get when you come. (laughs) It's the randomness of life that Ecclesiastes brings us to. And yet we need this entirety of encompassing God's wisdom to make wise living rather than just simply looking at the world black and white. So today, as we dive in our Proverbs series today, let us seek wisdom and let us seek Christ, who is our ultimate wisdom throughout the summer as we dive along. Today it would be a great idea to keep the word open in first opening chapter of Proverbs as I' walk through. Basically, we are going to examine two realities. I'll walk through two things: Just what is wisdom and how to get it. As simple as that. But there will be more points as I go along. So let me give you just a little background of this book as you dive in. First one, what does it say? "The Proverbs of Solomon: The Son of David, King of Israel." The author of this book, even though in the later chapters there are other contribution of the sayings of the wise, are mainly attributed to Solomon, especially in the last two chapters,' it's not written by Solomon, but just like Book of Psalms. there are other authors but by and large it's attributed to david this entire book is generally speaking attributed attributed to king solomon and what are proverbs i mean we are studying the book of proverbs but what are proverbs in english it's a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember it's like sound bite right early bird gets the worm you know what that means um it says but It kind of speaks into our daily lives. And yet, the biblical Proverbs goes a little bit more than that. The word proverb means kind of represent, to be like. It's the micro-representation of the reality of this world. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And it will throw us to look at the reality of this angle, this life, from multiple angles to gain most wisdom. So, as you look into Proverbs, we can see something in our lives even before we step out into the reality. A pastor, Ray Orland, says that the world will tell you, live, 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 and learn. But Proverbs will tell you, learn and live. There's counsel of God that teaches you what this wisdom is all about so that we can conduct wise living in each day of our lives. So, first, what is wisdom? Three things that I want you to remember. Morality, mystery, and mastery. I'll talk about it one by one. Morality, mystery, and mastery. When I say morality, I elaborate each point what I mean by the black and white, the fear of God that we'll talk about. And when I say mystery, life is a lot of unknown beyond morality. In that this mystery, we need a discernment of God to be able to discern what is in this unknowability factor. And yet there's also mastery part of wisdom that requires prudence and discretion in each step of the way. This morality, mystery, and mastery combined is truly wise living in our lives. So let's go one by one. First, morality, fear of the Lord. Look, verse 7. What does it say? It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What I mean by here is that Solomon said the fear of the Lord is beginning, foundation, prerequisite of all knowledge and wisdom. This concept of right and wrong that God has declared is well depicted in verse 3, Ezra, second half of 3. What does it say? Wisdom is doing what is right, just, and fair based on the fear of the Lord. And yet, as we saw in verse 7, fools despise this wisdom. They don't care. Their world is exclusively governed by their own logic, not by God's logic. And sometimes if you have been around the church block for a while, we hear the fear word so much that we don't even hear as the negative term anymore. Typically, fear is used as such a negative word in the world, right? A fear Yet in the Bible, yes, there's both positive fear, healthy fear, and negative fear. And this is talking about the healthy fear. In Proverbs, the fear of the Lord means the awe and reverence and respect for the way of the Lord, the way that God has designed this world to be. It's, in a sense, respecting God's design of what is good and what is evil. That's proper fear of the Lord, awe and reverence, respecting God's design for what is good and evil, not your own logic. And fear of the Lord is not like, I checked the box, I'm done. No, it's the continual, moment by moment, submission and humble submission and surrender to the will of God. So in a sense, fear of the Lord is wisdom 101, respecting and living by what God has declared good and evil, governing your life based on God's design. That's foundation, beginning, prerequisite of all wisdom. Now, one time, I needed to stay overnight in New York City, so I reserved a Airbnb. Um, so after hour and a half drive into the city, and I took about 30 minutes to find a street parking, it's been two hours, and I really, 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 needed to use restroom i mean i really needed to go uh, so i'm like i gotta find street parking let me get checked in asap so that i can go to bathroom see i've stayed in airbnb in texas and pennsylvania too It's very easy checked in but this host of airbnb had like eight page instruction i'm like god i have to go i cannot read this instruction lord help me i gotta hold it that was bad i tell you what So I barely read the instruction, and I muddled into the room. And it was, un- it was unlike any other Airbnb I stayed, because it's New York City, Manhattan. It was so tiny, but there were several rooms. But because it was such a tiny apartment, I thought, all oh, they're mine. So I opened the first door. Behold, there was another Airbnb occupant. I'm like, I am so sorry. I quickly shut the door. I apologized nonstop. Host was also upset with me. So I'm like, I am so sorry, so sorry. Host was nice about it. So I used the restroom, and then once again, I apologized. I thought everything was fine. At the end of my Airbnb stay, you know, in Airbnb, the host can leave a review about you. (laughs) This is the first bad reviews I've ever received. I'm reading, not my words, I'm just reading what the host said. Gene is extremely polite in person, and I sincerely believe in general. But this did not transfer to arriving prepared, having read our check-in instructions or house rules. Because somehow, governed exclusively by his own logic, he zeroed in on a room that was not his. Well, I was in a hurry. (laughs) The host continues... Again, a very good person, but I would encourage future host to double-check his self-awareness <laughs> <laughs> and that he learned from this experience. <laughs> Ouch. I sure did learn my lesson that day. But why am I sharing this silly story? See, I defy the governing rule that this Airbnb host designed for all guests to stay pleasantly. See, if this world, house rule that God has set, this world is designed by God, Then, if you are exclusively governed by your own logic, according to Proverbs, you are a fool. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and knowledge. And see, when you defy willfully the order of God, it said, you are just a fool. You haven't even gotten down the foundation of all wisdom 101. Now, before I go any further in Proverbs, perhaps, sure, I may have done defied the order of this house guest out of ignorance or maybe out of desperation in a hurry. <laughs> but if you defy the will of God willfully, What good is all the sophisticated wisdom that we are about to talk about? You haven't even laid down the basic prerequisite and foundation of God's design for His house rule on this earth. So before we proceed any further in our wisdom series, Shelton, do you respect and follow the God's design of this world that God has designed? If you are yielding into sin and temptation way too easily without even raging the war, fighting against the true war, according to proverbs you are a fool you despise god's instruction and wisdom yes in one sense we all sin yet we all have fallen short but if you're abusing god's grace and not fighting against all sin and temptation just to live your life exclusively governed by your own logic you are a fool the fear of the Lord is continual submission to his guidance of life. So fear of the Lord is, in a sense, denial of self and self-sufficiency. It is death of our narcissistic ego and self-governed logic. Rather than being governed by your own logic, we are governed by logos, the logic of God, God's word. So Chelton, throughout the summer, You might think, Jin, give me something more sophisticated. I want it. Yes, we'll get there. But how's your life today? Do you really have this humble awe and reverence for what God has ruled in this world? I pray that we respect and revere God's design. That's first foundation 101 of all wisdom. So first, morality based on the fear of the Lord is foundation of all wisdom. Having said that, let's move on. just it's a beginning of wisdom prerequisite but in its fullest sense life involves if you think about it more than right and wrong a lot of decisions that you have to make in your life has nothing to do with right and wrong and when you look at people oh wow she's wise he's wise you don't respect them because oh wow he has never gone to jail before wow praise god he hasn't robbed the bank i really respect him he's wise no, there's something more about that person that you really admire and respect. What is that all about? Sometimes wisdom, oftentimes wisdom, goes far beyond morality. Second, what is wisdom? Mystery that requires discernment. Read verse two, what does it say? What is Proverb 4? Gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. It says Proverbs to gain wisdom to understand insight the Hebrew word inside is the word binah, and it means discernment. What do I mean by that? Why does Proverbs say you need discernment? Because the vast majority of choices that you are making in your life has nothing to do with morality, right or wrong, black or white. The question that you're asking what job will you choose to work in your life? Who will you date and marry? What age are you going to retire? What school are you going to send your children to? These aren't necessarily right or wrong choice, but it's about knowing what to do even in the middle of uncertain future. Wisdom involves discerning mysteries, the unknown. A wise person knows how to discern and choose between among good, better, and best. A wise person knows how to minimize between bad, worse, and worst so the discerning spirit this inside binah knows how to navigate this uncertain reality of life with insight the biblical wisdom seeks to resolve or at least adjust to the ambiguities of life not everything is crystal clear black and white a lot of things goes beyond morality it seeks the reality even in the middle of mysteries so pastor tim keller defines wisdom as Wisdom is knowing what the right thing to do in the 80% of life situations to which the moral rules don't directly apply. The wise person, this insight, discerning person, sees many options before him and before her. And even though they don't know how everything will fully pan out, they are still able to make the wise choice that is best suited for each situation so wisdom is in a sense insight to be able to see through perhaps you know those kind of people very discerning people in your life these people are so important especially in relationship they do well in very relationship because they are able to see through as you study book of proverbs throughout the summer in proverbs not only talk about a wise person but it talks about also fool type of a fool simple fool scoffers and all that we will look at more details but simple uh, and a fool tend to see the world as binary. It's either all good or all bad. This person, I love him. That person, I hate him. It's all only black and white. This simple tendency, to naivete, tended to lead to the binary option. So we either caricature them as the most loving person, or we look at them as Pinocchio. All you see is one-dimensional nose. That's all you can see in the other person. We don't see the discerning reality of good and bad, in each person but discerning people are able to see through that and affirm for their good and confront and exhort for the wrong to be right even in situation in this world we tend to demonize one another you are either here or there we ignore complete nuance that goes far beyond morality if you're on this side this side is all evil and bad if you're on this side this person is just someone that oh they just don't know better a wise and discerning person are able to see through each circumstance rather than characterizing the situation as one-dimensional thing they realize the complex reality with the inside. that's a wise person one time i was talking about some of my you know you all have many interpersonal relationships there is one in particular i was having a hard time a few years ago and I was asking a mentor friend of mine, "What am I supposed to do in this kind of situation?" For me, it was so inner woven, tangled web that it was really hard for me to see the straight line through what this is all about. So I'm asking my wise friend, "Give me some counsels. As I'm unloading circumstances, this is what happened, da 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 da. I wasn't wise enough. I didn't have enough insight to see through the circumstance because I was so caught in the middle of it. But he said, Jin, You might not see it, but that's not good for you. I'll be praying for that. He wasn't overly pushy. He didn't tell me, this is step one, two, three. But he simply gave me, you think that may be good. You think you're doing well, but I'll be just praying for you. That was enough for me to see, oh wow, something may, I need to work on something. There is something that I must work on, see through. Even in the middle of this muddiness, I couldn't see, but in hindsight, as I look back, he was right on. He had the discernment and insight to be able to see through the mysterious elements of a life and still be able to give wise counsel to a friend who was in need of it. So what really is wisdom, Chilton? Yes, sometimes it's black and white morality based on the logic of God, respecting good and evil. And sometimes there's also mysterious elements that requires great insight when the situation goes far beyond morality. But there's also fear of the Lord, morality and mystery. And one more third, there's mastery elements about wisdom, prudence and discretion. Read verse 3 and 4. What does it say? Proverbs is for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. The word prudence that Proverbs use, is, it actually means kind of shrewd, almost almost to the point of deception. And I'm like, but Proverbs use that in such a positive sense. So in a sense, one commentator puts shrewdness is a kind of good kind of cunning. It's a, in a, such a deceptive and a complex survival of the fittest world we live in sometimes you need this kind of shrewdness prudence in order to plan for unforeseen future to be able to conduct your life wisely there's mastery of life that is required to be wise and verse 4 discretion is an ability especially ability to see upcoming temptation coming on us every day every way So in a sense, this sermon is about insight for this tangled situation. This prudence and discretion is not necessarily insight, but foresight to what is to come. Wise person knows how to plan wisely for the future. They don't just live by all they see is not this, but they are able to see, God, What's ahead of me. Make me wise, help me be able to be prudent and be discreet as I plan for this future. So throughout this summer, I pray that you will embrace morality, mystery, and mastery. And we will give many different definitions of wisdom, just like Proverbs do, to give you more fuller nuance of what wisdom is all about. For one of my favorite commentators, Derek Kidner, defines wisdom as competency with regard to the reality of life. Wisdom is competency in regard to the reality of life, especially that God has said. So children, do you want to be wise The First, wisdom involves the respecting God's governing logic of the morality based on fear of the Lord, but not only that it requires insight and foresight. Insight, the keen discernment to be able to see through in their inner woven web, to be able to discern what is good and what is not good and foresight to be able to wisely plan for future those combined are called as wisdom in book of proverbs so now that we have briefly seen the bird eye view of what wisdom is all about and this is just a bird eye view we will unpack that throughout the summer more and more what this of this element is all about the question golden question for today briefly how do you get it don't you want to be wise When I see a wise person, I'm like, man, Jen, how come can't you just straight up your life and be like that? I want to be wise, and I constantly feel myself short, meaning sometimes I don't even have proper respect for fear of the Lord when I succumb into temptation. I haven't even gotten down basic right and wrong. What I know is right, I don't do. What I know I shouldn't do, I do. And in the times of the requires great discernment, I am so tangled within me that I can't even see it. Being prudent and discreet about future, I can barely survive each day. And yet I desire to be wise, as Proverb tells us. So the question is, how can you be wise today? So second, how do you get wisdom? Read verse 5 and 6, and read it verse 7. So jump down to 8 and 9. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Verse said, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to, to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So in verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. He calls wise and all people to be the lifelong learner of God's wisdom. Because wisdom is such a precious thing in verse 9 described as a garland to grace your head. When you look at Proverbs 4, the garland was a victor's wreath. It's the beautiful, it's the beautiful crown that Proverbs talk about in 4 9. And the pendant, the necklace, chained to adorn your neck in verse 9, is a mark of prestige and honor. It's like you win an Olympic gold medal. You a pendant on your neck. But wisdom is far more precious than victor's crown. Far more precious than Olympic gold medal. So the question is then, how do you get it? See, what does verse 5 and 8 say? One of the most repeated commands in entire Proverbs is to listen. Verse 5, let the wise listen. Verse 8, listen, my son. Who is wise? According to Proverbs, wise are not the one who speaks best. According to Proverbs, who is wise is not who knows the best. According to Proverbs, wise is not who thinks deepest, not the one who worries most, not the one who makes quickest decision. But Proverbs, I wish, a friend of mine was preaching on this passage once and he said, You know, I wish Proverbs said, wise are the one who thinks the deepest. Oh, then I might have a lot of gold star in my chest. When you share the ninja Summon, someone, I kind of resonated. I wish Proverbs said, uh, Wise are the one who overthinks the most. Man, I, all of the, I think I'd be wise then. I wish Proverbs said, Wise are the one who worries the most. I'm wise then. But that's not what Proverbs says. What did it say? Wise are the one who listens best. You know what listens means? It's an act of humility for you to listen. Rather than thinking about yourself, you're giving active attention to what you listen to. And what Proverbs is calling us to listen today and throughout the summer and rest of your life, the object of what are you listening to is just as important as listening. Because when you look around our culture, the object of listening, what are you listening to, is what? Yourself. We are surrounded by the message in the world we live in constantly tells you, listen to your inner self. Listen to your ego. Listen to your logic. It's all about what you think and feel about who you are. Is what you are. No. No, that's not what Proverbs calls us to. Proverbs is calling us to listen to the counsel of God. Uh, this word that tells us to just listen to our inner self. There's no self-denial. There's so much about self-fulfillment. It's all about me. Deep down. So, we may be very good at listening to self, but terrible at listening to God. When you do that, in the end, you have practically substituted God for yourself. You have become God in your own eyes when you just listen to yourself. Isn't it so easy, though? Introspection is a great thing, important thing that Scripture calls us to. But counterfeit of introspection is just self-absorption. It's all about how I feel. Don't be governed exclusively by your own logic like I did in that Airbnb. But be governed by the word of God. That's what Proverbs calls us to listen, listen, listen. It's the act of humility. God, I don't know. Speak to me. I need you to speak. See, listening is, in a sense, almost archaic value in our days, right? Look at the world. Who gets most promotion, most recognition, most prestige, are not the one who listens best. The one who speaks best. The one who is most articulate. The one who is loudest. The one who is most dominant, persistent. I wish Proverbs tells us, the one who gets most recognition, who thinks the most, over no. But in the way of the Lord God is designed, the wise are the ones who listens the best. The one who listens are wise and winners. And you know those wise people around you who listened so well. Aren't they so attractive? If you know whom I'm talking about in your life, that person is so wise. There's just something so beautiful and attractive about them. Not necessarily in appearance, but the way they conduct their lives. I'm like, I want to be like that. Do you want to be wise today? Listen. Listen to the whole counsel of God today tomorrow this summer and throughout your life as you listen to the whole counsel of god you will begin to see that this whole counsel of god points to a person and the person's name is jesus this is what paul says in colossians 1 my goal is that may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Our ultimate wisdom is found in the crucified and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want to be wise? Behold Christ, when this world is obsessed by winning, I must have my way. Christ lost everything in the sense of the world. But that is our ultimate wisdom, the way of the Lord, the way of the cross. So just in a moment, we will partake in communion today together. But will you behold Christ, our ultimate wisdom, crucified and resurrected the Savior? He is the beginning and the end of all wisdom. Sit there at the foot of the cross each day in each decision until it begins to melt your heart and as your life is more and more saturated by the beauty and the wonder and the mystery of cross your life will slowly surely one day at a time become more and more wise let's pray together oh god we desire wisdom that comes from you the heavenly wisdom that only you can give but oh lord often we are just governed by our own inner self we are so self-absorbed we are so narcissistic that we just like to listen to ourselves and our logic rather than truly listening to you but oh lord will you make us wise people of god and god we believe it starts from the proper fear of the lord subjecting ourselves to the way of the lord the way that god has designed this world to be So, God, help us. We lack wisdom. As James tells us, those who lack wisdom, seek him, and he will grant that wisdom. So, today, as we remember our Christ, we behold you. As we behold you, God, I pray that you saturate our lives in the way of the Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So, just in a moment, we will partake communion together here at Shelton, we practice open communion whether you're a first time visitor or you've been your lifelong member if you know jesus christ as your savior if you know him as your ultimate logos the way of the lord you are welcome if you know him as your savior come partake with us if you don't know who he is you would say who is this jesus guy you call him as wise just in a moment we will partake together as one body but if you don't know him Rather than partaking in communion, I pray that you consider Christ first and foremost today because he is the wisdom that you and I need in our lives. Um, Let me read 1 Corinthians 1, what Paul says about wisdom of God as we set our time. This is what Paul says in Corinthians 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So children, are you tired of not knowing what to do? Look to cross. Sit there every moment of life until the Lord brings clarity in your sorrows. Are you wired and are you tired of constantly making foolish choices? Look to Christ and ask for wisdom today. So we are eager to search for wisdom in Google, YouTube, perhaps in other friends. But will you seek wisdom from Christ at His cross today? Will you consider Christ's embodiment of ultimate heavenly wisdom? So let's this time, before you even partake communion, let's silence ourselves and bow head and eyes. Let's pray, God, show me who you are. Give me wisdom of you. Let's ask that for a minute, and then I'll preside over the table. Oh, God, show us who you are. We want more of you. God, as we examine our life, as we look to you, I pray that we will behold Christ, the ultimate wisdom that we desperately desire. In your precious name we pray. Amen.